you know, I'd realised that I was attracting quite a lot of narcissists into my life personally and then professionally, you know, they were showing up at work as well. I'm <laughs> like, what? And then uh, there's, a, there's a common denominator here. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. So my guest on today's episode of the Inspire Podcast, joining me from the UK, I feel like this is this is my first across the pond podcast, is Lisa Morton. And Lisa is the founder and the CEO of Roland Transfield, which is a leading PR agency. And you know, I, I don't just take my word for it. I know you've won a lot of awards uh, over the years, which we'll talk more about. But Lisa, I, I just want to welcome you to the Inspire Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Bob. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to have you, and I think you know there in our our planning call there were a few things that it's going to be very exciting to dig into. One is you're you know you're a really successful uh, female entrepreneur who kind of built a career uh, through finding your own voice, finding your own narrative, and and really achieving success um, through defining the values that were important to you and. Um, embedding them into the work that you do. And I know you've also given back, you've empowered, you've imparted these values, a lot of the work you do in Manchester. So yeah, so take me, take me into your early career. How did it all start for you? Because I know you didn't begin as an entrepreneur. No. Um, well, I, well, maybe I did something mm. around the eight. I think I started, oh, okay. uh, I, I always had a bit of a head position. So Going back to then, in actual fact, uh, Roland Dransfield, who I named the business after, was my godfather. And he was a bit of a, a rags to riches story. He'd, um, he'd worked very, very hard and become successful. And he happened to find my dad when my dad was servicing his car in a, in a, in a garage in Manchester. And ultimately, a long story, he offered him a job and dad went to work for him. But he was very important in my life because I really looked up to Roland. And one day he came to our house um, and he came with a bucket and a sponge. And he said to me, uh, okay, you're in business now. So go out <laughs> and clean the neighbor's car and, um, and pay me back at the end of the day for the bucket and the sponge. And I can't remember. Oh, he, he charged you for the bucket and the sponge? Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> I had to do it to my first business lesson. <laughs> oh, love so it. you've got to pay your debt. Love it. But I was in profit at the end of that day. And then I had that car washing round till I was 15 in actual fact. Mm-hmm. And I found a shoe shop that I wanted to work in. Um, but yeah, so he he was absolutely the person. And obviously my dad was then very entrepreneurial. He followed in Roland's footsteps. So, you know, that's where I think I got my uh, love of and work ethics from in actual mm. fact. So um, I did a variety of things. I used to sell sandwiches for the kids at school and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. If something wasn't nailed down, I'd sell it. So I think it was always in my in my DNA. Hmm. And and that drive obviously has kind of carried you through. And I know that you mentioned the name of of your firm. So let's fast forward. When you started working, uh, did you start in PR? And what was your initial experience like? 
Yeah, so I went uh, off to university and I, and I studied English and did an English and French degree. And I always loved writing. I used to write and illustrate books as a, as a young person, mm-hmm. as a kid, and, and kind of make up all these kind of stories. So I loved writing and I loved people. So I did get a job in advertising in London um, and I went down for the induction. And in 1989, 1989, London, there weren't very many flat vowels. I mean, I've got a northern accent and there were not many northerners in London. Mm. And it just didn't feel, it was advertising just didn't feel right for me. Um, I wanted to be a communicator and, and and it was a different so again I really upset my mum by deciding I was going to work in Manchester I wrote mm-hmm. 100 letters to different PR companies got a job with a one man band there weren't many jobs in the north at that time mm-hmm. um, but just started in a small agency and then I went through three agencies all small agencies but with the opportunity of really seeing what the leaders what the business owners were doing so mm-hmm. there were, weren't those levels I wasn't kept at a certain level I was allowed to grow as fast as I wanted to grow and then just decided when I was 27 and um, you know it's time for me to have my own business and, and I set mm. Roland Johnfield up on my own and then we've been mm. a month I had an, a, an, another person and then within a year we were still five people so it did wow. grow quite quickly and it grew quickly without the internet, which I don't know when I look back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty bold. I mean, we if we think back to that moment, so you're 27. Like, what you know now? I'm sure you look back like, oh yeah, I was you know you've had this you know line of success, but it's a big leap to start a firm. What drove you to do that? I mean, why not just stay in other people's firms? Well, my well, Roland used to say to me that a job means uh, J-O-B is just over broke and that always <laughs> stuck with me although I don't always agree because as, a biz- as an entrepreneur and a business owner you know often <laughs> your, your friends who are in jobs are <laughs> better than you so that's not completely true but it, to, to me I always I did feel that and I think going back I did work in three small agencies mm-hmm. and I learned a lot but I did ne- I never aligned with the values I don't think of those those mm people talk talk to and me a bit me, about that because i know values are important mm, to you talk yeah, what what wasn't aligning well, obviously you always learn stuff so i would never mm-hmm. take i always find whatever situation and you can learn things from that but i think integrity i think i was a young woman at the time and being a young woman in a, in a quite male dominated business even you know pr and comms at the time mm-hmm. was still very full of like former journalists it was very traditional so I didn't always feel that the way that the teams and the people within those organisations, I didn't like the way necessarily they were treated mm. or they were patronised. Or I think that was the main thing. But then I also felt very strongly about your commitment to your clients and doing a good service and showing up and making sure that you're transparent and mm. that you did what you say you do when you said you do it. And I, I did see a lot of smoke and mirrors mm. in that industry at the time. You know, the little black book that was, what people traded on was to me I just think I felt it felt very old fashioned and very kind of boys mm. club. So for me, I wanted to be in an organisation or, or set something up where I could make sure that, you know, I showed up in the way I wanted to show up and, and the ethics that I'd learned, I suppose, you know, with my family and, and people around me from an early age. So when you started your firm, did you kind of write down these values? Like is it something that you were intentional or is it more now looking back that you realised what they were? I definitely didn't write it down. I didn't write the values down in those days. Mm. I had 
huge drive and, and you know, a naivety which just made me kind of come every morning go like a train. And so, and it's an interesting point because I've lived my life and my business life with um, values that have been very important to me. Mm-hmm. But because I hadn't taken the time to really state them and stand by them, and I'd, I'd say that more not from a client point of view, but from a, a team and a recruitment mm-hmm. point of view, um, you you are vulnerable as a business leader to other opinions or other mm. ways of working and louder voices. And just because you're a business leader doesn't mean to say that you are infallible or that you are super confident all the right. time. You know, we, we still suffer from the same imposter syndrome, stuff right. and all that kind of stuff. But if you've not really got your values very clear and they're not stated and people don't join your team knowing that that is what you stand mm-hmm. for, you are at risk of being... Mm tail whacking the dog again mm. from the expression you know that, that yeah. happen, and that did happen certainly at different times and I've had different dynamics with people within the business and I'm a, a sole owner of an organization mm-hmm. without other business partners around me so you you okay so you left you knew that your values didn't align but you didn't necessarily write them down so I think it's a really interesting point you've made that you know as a leader that intentionality is so important and so as you as you started your your company, you started hiring people, like how did that sense that, you know, it sounds like you were forming these values in your mind. You talk about, you know, focus on the client, the integrity, you know, inclusion, re- respect for all voices and particularly women in an industry that didn't. Um, how did that work for you? And where did, as you say, the fact that you hadn't, define them or express them caught trip you up? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, to start off with, it was, the business was built on like, I suppose, pure joy, freedom, momentum with, with you know, for the first few years. Right. It was great. It, and it was small. And I was, I suppose, recruited people that, to be fair, I suppose, in hindsight, it, it mainly fluke that they, Aligned with how I wanted to run the business. Right. <laughs> I don't think there's any signs. Better to be lucky it. than um, be good, right? <laughs> I think so. In that case, and um, and I was very very fortunate. And then I had my son in 1999, mm-hmm. and I had to then. I only took six weeks out of the business, and it was still small enough for me to be able to for me to be able to still be involved. Mm. And then when I was, my daughter then was due in 2001, so there was less than two years between them. And mm. I decided to, more planning this time, right. <laughs> um, by trying to create a, a better infrastructure for the business. And I thought I'd done it right. And then on the day I gave birth to my daughter, um, I was told that the person I put in place to really essentially help me run that business for four months mm-hmm. was already, she'd resigned that day. No, no, what a shock. The business apart. Oh, God. So that was in the delivery room, I think I got told that, yeah. So so for me, I straight back to work pretty much. That was a pretty dark time, actually, fact. I'm sure. And then and on the back of that then, I then met somebody who I thought was, well, you know, the person's too good to be true. And now I know very much, and we all know, probably <laughs> too good to be true, they definitely right. are. <laughs> So, so found, you know, an, an narcissist to come and help mm. on the business. <laughs> um, and so then because that person in particular was so 
I suppose so divisive, but so under the radar devices that mm-hmm. it was probably a year down the line before I realised that I've been completely mm. uh, undermined. Mm. But then I've got two kids under two, so so that wasn't the last time it happened. I'll be dead honest. Mm-hmm. So so it's only as I've got older, a bit wiser, start to learn from experience. I suppose that that I have been very much more prescriptive about the way a business needs to be run, and I won't allow mm. the rock to set in. But, you know, it was in the last few years that, again, they had another hiccup as the business went through a lot of growth. And at that point, I thought, I am not going through this again. We have to change the system. We have to make our values so clear right. that no one will stick around unless they can align themselves. So so let's dig in a bit. I mean, first of all, what a tough time. You know, you, you're growing your business. You're scaling. You go and start a family. You know, you welcome two children. And then you realize you need... You need support. You can't just do it all on your own. And you end mm. up, you know, with some people who turns out didn't align with your values. When when you look back on that, now that you are like, what would you have done differently? Or and what are you now doing differently? Because I'm thinking about people listening who might be they might not be maybe they're running their own company and they're in the early stages. Maybe they're managing people and they're doing hiring for a larger company. And values are important. I think it's a topic that people talk much more intentionally about. So what advice do you have to avoid making those mistakes on hiring? Well, that's a good question. First of all, I would say the most important thing is to know your value, know Hmm. your own value, know your worth. And quite often, again, you know, we show up as leaders at a certain point in our lives in business mm-hmm. and you carry with you all the stuff that you have has been embedded in you um, or you've been conditioned as a young person growing up and that can be mm-hmm. stuff in your family or it can be stuff at school. And so, you know, we are all, you know, one thing you learn as you get older is that you don't have more, you know, you've, you've still got more more questions than you ever had. And right. you've, not, you've not got all the answers. So that's the fallacy if you think you're going to know everything and, and um probably quite boring as well but <laughs> for me the, the, the thing that I learned is and I had to dig into some stuff that got in a personal life to to accept to tell myself that I wasn't valuing myself as a person mm. enough and I had to understand why why that was mm-hmm. and look at some of those repeat patterns and look at why I was attracting some people and you know I realized that I was attracting quite a lot of narcissists mm-hmm. in my life personally and then professionally you know they were showing up at work as well <laughs> like, mm. what? and then uh, there's a there's a common denominator here mm. so i did quite a lot of research into that whole uh how you attract narcissists which how you do know, you i'm it, curious it, it, how do you how do you attract narcissists <laughs> <laughs> well in a lot of cases i mean i've done a lot of research on it there's a whole uh, dynamic between an, a person who's an empath who's a person pleaser, who is a very positive person, mm-hmm. who wants to try and fix people, who feels that they can, um, that, that they, are, they will take on other people's energy mm. and who quite often puts themselves at the back of the queue because they feel that's a polite thing to do. And, mm. you know, I grew up in Salford in Manchester in the 70s and in our community, or in my family, it was very much a case of, you know, we, the polite thing to do is you put yourself at the back of the queue, you mm. make sure that everybody else is sorted before you, and mm-hmm. then you can kind of come forward. You know, if there wasn't, we had an expression in our family, you know, family hold back. If somebody came for dinner, then you, you doesn't eat much. It was, you know, you, right. you, if you weren't expecting that guest. So I think a bit of a combination of that. Then the fact that as I was growing up, I had to 
I always wanted to um, show that I was committed and I was a, mm-hmm. and I, and I got up every day and did my best. So I think that little kind of perfect storm of mm. putting yourself at the back of the queue, but always having to prove every single day that mm. you are on it, you've got it. Um, mm. That's quite attractive to some people who want to, who want to be part of that. Right. But also attractive to people who see, you know what, the space in here, this person is actually vulnerable in these areas. Mm-hmm. And if those people are motivated negatively, I want to take that power, does it quite clear? So if you do that in a, in a workplace, I found that the person that you come out of the interview with and you go, oh my God, this person's amazing. Right. So it's just probably mirrored to you everything you want to hear. Right. And so, then you, hmm. that's, everything is wonderful. The honeymoon periods are great for a, a year and all six months and then you go, wow, I've done it again. Right, right. And I, I think it's that, it's interesting that those qualities that you described, the selflessness, the empathy, mm. they're, they're a double-edged sword from what I'm hearing, you know, that they really can leave you vulnerable to people who take or, uh, yeah. yeah. And Hey, I've, I've, I've been there too myself. So it's, um, how did you move how, when you came to that realization? It sounds like you did a lot of work. How did that adapt the values that you chose to live and work by? Mm. Well, a couple of things happened. I mean, you know, I, I've been in a, a personal relationship, which was that, that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And on the outside, people look at me think, oh, you've got everything nailed. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of, everything's together. But behind closed doors or whatever, you think, how did it get into this position? Mm. And it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. That can happen with a nudge over a few years. How can it in business? So, you, you, you know, you... I suppose it's professional personal gaslighting. And then you get to the point where you think, I've got to, you know, consult. Why do I feel the need to consult so many mm. people on a decision about something that just does not feel right for right. me? And I've got to check in with other people. So that could be around business behavior. It could be around a member of your team that's uh, smashing it on one front, but really doing something that you're not aligned with on mm-hmm. another. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm, and then in a personal setup, if you've not set your own values and you don't live by it, you don't listen, um, how do you know they're being undermined? Mm. You don't have any any um, essential points to come back to. You've got no anchor. So it, so when I realized that was happening in personal life, I was like, there's no surprise that it's happening also in business, in my team. And this wasn't everybody. It was a mm-hmm. couple of people who could powerfully undermine even in a minority. Um so I got to work with a, a personal coach who bizarrely was introduced to me at that time. Mm-hmm. And I also had met somebody who had a lot of respect for who had um, been a coach in sport and business mm. who I spoke to about um, really establishing the values at work. Mm. And, it, you know, there's a process to that, but the, the, it was liberating personally and mm. professionally. And, life changed with it, with the piece of work I did around myself and around the business. Well, and what, and what I love about that story is, you know, the idea that values are not kind of set, that you have mm. to do the work to know yourself. Mm. And as you do, you can grow and then update, you know, what matters to you. Yeah. Update yeah. what matters to you. And so once, once you've done that work or can, I'm, I'm sure it's ongoing, but once you begun to, Gain this realization, working with this coach, realizing, you know, the situation that you found yourself in. How did you change your life from there? I, I'm assuming you kind of said goodbye to some of these people in your life who weren't good for you. 
Yeah, I mean, and that happens, you know, some of that, uh, some of that was deliberate, both personally and professionally, mm-hmm. um, and, that, and that happened, and that was, you know, um, uh, well, I mean, it worked. What had happened is that I'd, I'd been a holiday for a week, and we'd had to move offices at the week I was away. That was, when I turned my phone on when I landed, my phone blew up, and there was just all master of hell going on mm-hmm. at the office. So I thought, so I drove home, I... The next day I went into the office and it was the first actually working day in our fantastic new office that we worked so hard to achieve. And I've got everybody around the table for everybody. And I said, this is not acceptable. This is not how I'm living my life. Mm. After 22 years of the business, I actually don't really care how you want to show up in life, but I'm not showing up in my life with my business like this. So we mm. are going to be doing a piece of work. You know, if anybody wants to resign by the end of the week, because we don't fancy going through that, that's fine. Um, but also, I'm, I'm happy for anybody to leave because there won't be a place in this organisation wow. for you if you don't. And it was a, you know, it was a really difficult conversation. But even just saying that, I thought I've done this. That was therapy to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, in that year, we probably people left because we realised we couldn't align. Right. Um, but we did manage to. Because when your values are so, we, we did the piece of work, so our values would became part of our DNA. When people hmm. walk past your values in, you know, two, two feet letters on the wall, and mm-hmm. when they are part of their performance um, measurement process, and when we talk about clients, you can't, you can't keep showing up in the team right. that believes in all of that if you don't, and it's self that you know, yeah. it, it really smoke yourself out essentially, and that wasn't my job to do it. The whole team could do that because the majority of us were absolutely wedded to what we believed in as, as you know, how we wanted to live our lives. I suppose. Yeah, it really strikes me that when you do that work as a leader, of you know, you've identified your values, you've articulated them within your organization, within your team. There's no room for people to hide if they don't mm. agree. And, you know, as you said, you know, you you have to go, but I'm sure the people, if you don't agree, but I'm sure the people who stayed felt a much deeper connection. I'm sure you're able to attract people who've shared that connection, uh, who you wouldn't have otherwise. Yes. And it also took away, one of the issues that we have had was people, lateral hires that were taken on to try and grow the business in different areas who came with you know, luggage, I suppose, as mm-hmm. well as, um, uh, you know, experience. And what this value piece has done is it's me, it's empowered everybody. So it doesn't matter mm. if you've got 25 years experience or if you've got five months experience, you're, you're, you show up, your values, your opinions are the same because the, it's the values that speak. It's not the experience right. or the pay, the pay packet or the confidence. It's your values that show up. So, one of our values is Freak the Sheds, and that comes from the All Black um, rugby team. Yes, who, yes, yeah. The, the yeah glo- so, this amazingly successful team from New Zealand. Exactly. So the most, you know, the most successful team in the world um, in their field, and they that one of their values is Freak the Sheds. So it means no job too small. Mm. So once they've won on the field, they come back in, celebrate, and they call their changing room shed. It's their, they they after celebrate they ask everyone to leave and then they that team that just mashed it out there make sure that it looks as perfect it, it looks as perfect as they did when we walked in because that uh, discipline and that care about that job is as important as the job they do out on the, on the mm. field. 
so we've got then people in our team who could say with six months experience to the, 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 the senior director oh you the chef you know you've not moved all your cups hmm. and sauces and that last week hmm. I'm going in now because if you don't do it who's doing it you're right. expecting somebody down the line to do that well we all have to sweep the chef so it became a vernacular that everybody felt empowered to cook and it was fun in a way. Mm. You know, well, it is fun because we use that language and it, it takes the, you can check the behavior before right. it becomes an issue. <laughs> I love it. So, so yeah. So let's take it to where you are now. So what are your values? Sweep, anyone sweeps the shed, that's one of them? That's one of them. What um, else? We, we have um, no, um, the asterisk, asterisk, asterisk head. So I don't know how that translates to you, <laughs> but basically, yeah. No, no jerks. And, no jerks and, and allowed. That, yeah, that's been, yeah, no jerks allowed. So, you know, we all are, we all are that at times. But if that's on your wall and part of your DNA, sometimes you can catch yourself and you go, "Sorry, I was a bit of a jerk there." Mm. But your team can go, "Don't be one of those." Or did you just hear what he said? And you go, "Yeah." So mm. it catches that behaviour and it's fun again. But it's also really been the best thing out of this for me and for the team has been the fact that we can onboard and offboard clients around it because hmm. it means the team is, is protected from being exploited and having to work with any clients or other colleagues that don't um, that behave like that hmm. or treat them in a way that we don't accept. So we won't just take fees. We won't just work with anybody because it's a, you know, it's a client that, that can bring an impact right. on the bottom line. So, I think it's about having those values that will protect the team. And we have on a Monday morning meeting, uh, we take it in turns and one of the team members brings one of the values to that meeting and says, for example, for example, champions do extra. So team, I want us to live by this this week. This, these are my suggestions. Mm-hmm. See how you get on. And then the following Monday, we come back and we all talk about how we live that value or maybe where we felt we split. And then we go again with another one. So these values aren't in a drawer. They're not on, a, on the service and where we hmm. don't look at them. They're, they're, we walk and talk them every day. Yeah. And then people really, I like that you, you, you get people together and really have them dig into them and, and evolve. Mm. And, yeah. um, and I also know that you've kind of taken this commitment to going into the broader community in Manchester. Can you talk to me a bit mm. about that? How that, how the values have shaped your outreach? Yeah. So when we, when I started the business, it was one month after there was a, a huge bomb in the centre of Manchester, an IRA bomb. Oh, Fortunately, nobody was killed because there was a there was a warning, but it did actually decimate the central core. Wow. And immediately, we were involved in working with the, the local authorities and, and the council and the, the business sector as well to really rethink and make mm. Manchester city centre better and a safer place anyway. So at that point, since then, since day one, we've been involved in um, working with the community. So creating those really important relationships which help the community to flourish and thrive. Mm-hmm. I suppose other points over the 25 years where there have been crises in the city, and that can be an economic crisis, a last recession. We had an, a, a bomb at the, the Manchester Arena, which 22 people mm. tragically lost their lives in. We've just had the pandemic, which has massively impacted people in our communities. So at those points, I think because of those relationships that we're very committed to as a city, but as a company we've been involved in, it just meant that we've been able to really give back 
to the community, but by pulling people together. Because I think as a business, that's what we thrive on. It's how mm-hmm. do we get people together, make mm-hmm. that magic happen, create those relationships. And you just know that you can always do more together than you can just working um, in silos. Mm-hmm. So that's our purpose every day is the work beyond the actual work that we do with clients by encouraging them if they're not already doing so to, to lead those legacies. Mm-hmm. And, and not just for our backyard, not just for like Manchester or the Northwest, but we do similar work in London where we can and, and you know, encourage businesses to use the platform to, to, to put stuff back. I love, I love that. I love that. It's not just what you do internally. It's not just the community mm-hmm. outreach, but it's actually you've infused it into your business. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. and do clients like that must be kind of both a challenge and exciting for clients, how they react to it. Um, most pretty much every client we work with now has got the big CSR. I mean, it's got the big corporate social responsibility heart. It has purpose. Um, if they feel that having seen the work that we do, that they don't feel their values, maybe or their purposes communicated, or it's not nailed on enough, then then they come to us to do that piece of work with them. Part of our role is is really to make sure that we we're across most of the things that need to be done mm-hmm. as, a, as a city region. So I, I feel like our game, our, our role quite often is like almost like a matchmaking game where hmm. we will plug clients and businesses and brands into those causes or foundations or initiatives that need support, which those businesses can give financially or with resources or by using their mm-hmm. platform. Mm-hmm. So it's putting the jigsaw pieces together. Well, that's what we do now. I mean, that's how... Hmm we come at every single client that we work with. We want to work with them because we love their values and because we know if we represent them, they can actually, we've got two incredible projects here that will spark their business and their teams and will create a legacy um, in, a, in a place they might not have considered before. I love it. I love it. And I love that, you know, what started is you deciding to go out on your own because, you know, you kind of had the sense that your values were not aligned led to this entire journey that's now not only living and running a firm in accordance with these values, but bringing that into your community, bringing that into your clients, and then the personal growth that you've been through, mm-hmm. the work that you've done, and how it's led to a much more fulfilling and, and rich and ultimately successful life. It, it's a great story about mm-hmm. the power of values. Yeah, and that is so true. I mean, I couldn't, my coach said to me about four years ago, everything you need, you have. Hmm. And I thought, what? <laughs> That's not true. Hmm. And I didn't need, I didn't need material things. It wasn't that I felt I needed validation or I needed support or I needed right. well, lots of things. And, and then, and then probably two years ago, I, I just had that, you know, moment. I thought, oh my God, it's so true. Everything I need to have, right. there's nothing, there's nothing else. And, and that has come through finding that purpose and really standing by and, and hmm. believing in your values and your own personal and your business work and it is you know it's, it's a game changer it is and uh, you know i know people listening we've been talking a lot more in the world about values the importance of values mm-hmm. and living by them working by them and that your story really demonstrates why it's so powerful so i wonder if we can close with some advice from you <laughs> you know i there's it's been a great <laughs> journey but what would be what would be the big pieces of advice you would give to someone about how they can um, be more intentional about living a life working in a way that 
is value centric. Yeah. Well, I think definitely take that time out and put time in, in your diary hmm. to sit with yourself, just sit with yourself and really be brutally honest about <laughs> what is important to you. You know, what makes you feel happy? What makes you feel your heart mm-hmm. full up? What makes you feel that you, when you've had a great day and what drains you? Um, what limiting behaviours have you got? Where do you self-sabotage? And that piece of work is not one hour with a cup of coffee mm-hmm. with a TV on. It's not. Do you know you have to take yourself out of your day-to-day stuff to do this work? And it might take six months. But just complete it, mm-hmm. even if it's not perfect, mm-hmm. because it does change. And once you start that process, it is always um, a work in progress. And we are, as human beings, we are works in progress. Our businesses are works in progress. But it's starting that and, and having something down. I feel, think it's really valuable for me to go back to what I wrote down uh, three and four years ago. And, and what I would say journal now is very different. So I think mm. that is the best time you can invest in yourself for the rest of your life and for your business. And miracles happen from that because once mm. you start to communicate that within your organization and within your life, to your kids even, you know, my kids are very clear on what my values are now. Um, the people in my life are very clear on it. Um, the, 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 that light bulb means that the right people and the right business opportunities and the right life opportunities are brought to you because you're putting that, you're putting that out there and right. you're saying, I'm standing by it. And it's a non-negotiable. And I'm actually proud of a boundaries. It's not a negative hmm. to have a boundary because you know always what you want. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you maybe just compromise that on a day, you can still come back and you go, no, I've I, I, I got that wrong, but I know I'm back in mm-hmm. the place where I'm supposed to be. So that's what I, love I would it. say. <laughs> I love it. No, I think you're right. You know, and how how many of us take that time to do that work and mm. have that intentionality? And I think your your story really shows in 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 work, in relationships, in life, it, it matters. So I really appreciate you sharing your story with me, Lisa. And and I'm so thrilled for you. I know it's um the journey is ongoing. You know, I'm taking that away as well. You know, around the continued, you know, need to look inside and as we grow i know personally you know my my life has changed a lot every mm-hmm. decade and and the values evolve so i'm really walking away thinking maybe i should go spend a bit more time again and uh and update them <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for taking the time thank you thank you very much I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Lisa Morton, great entrepreneur and her story of really using values to drive and guide herself forward is uh, is inspiring. I think, you know, we know that purpose and uh, clarity of values is so important, not only to leaders, but to uh, organizations. And I think there's some great lessons there for us all. If you enjoyed that conversation, if you're enjoying the pod, please take a moment, give us a five-star review, write a comment. It's, uh, it's something that I appreciate helps us get found and uh, helps us get the word out. Next time on the pod, I'm super excited to welcome our first musician, Shad, a Canadian rapper. He has uh, won awards. He hosted the uh, CBC podcast, Q. He's got a great Netflix series. And he joins me to talk about the lessons from writing and performing that apply for leaders and their communication. So really cool episode. I know you'll enjoy it and look forward to having you next time for my conversation with Shad. 
Until then, uh, go forth and inspire.